Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, people, you know that sound. It's the Unfiltered Band. Yes, it must be yet another episode of Unfiltered coming your way. This episode number 129 officially. As we focus on the Metropolitans and their offseason here in the hot stove, you can always jump on where it's hot and get uh, whether you're merch or just jump on the revolution in general. We are here at Unfiltered at Casey Stern on Twitter. Get into the bio, get the YouTube channel, and jump on Believes as well. That's B-L-E-A-V, where today I welcome in my guest and a teammate at the Believe Network, host of Believe in Queens, also one of the best content creators for baseball or otherwise on YouTube or anywhere where you can get him in both spots, Twitter and YouTube, at Wardy, W-A-R-D-Y-N. YM and of course that means uh New York Mets not 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 yours mine. Uh hi Tyler, how are you sir? What's going on buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing good man. The last time we talked it was right before the you know it was it was the demise of what was to be our baseball team. Um yep. so the good news is now we can win the off season. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the hell that means right let's win it for back-to-back years right you know that's it hey, hey look and, and it worked last year and and let me let me start there uh obviously congrats to buck is now officially what yesterday two days ago at this point as we tape this uh you wins manager of the year what's your take on the people who were you know, giving him a lot of crap. I saw a lot of Braves folks and people, and I'm not talking about like fans because that's stuff stupid, but people who even cover the team who were retweeting and tweeting out any comments about how does a guy who blows a 10 and a half game lead win manager of the year? What was your thought on that? I think it comes down to, you know, preseason expectations, first and foremost. You know, the Braves were deemed a favorite of the division entering the season. And then you have the Mets who we're expected to do well, but I'm pretty sure that their over-under on wins was not even 90, like maybe 88. So having the second-best regular season in team's history, let's keep in mind there was so much turmoil that happened last offseason. The Mets quite literally had to make a whole new coaching staff, figure out the front office, and have a pretty much very different roster in a lot of ways. They managed to basically do all of that for the most part, which is so hard to come by. So Buck gets hired. He comes in, right? New team. Again, hasn't been coaching a couple years. And he wasn't even able to speak to the players right away because of the lockout going on. So already you had adversity entering the season. And I just thought that Buck did a phenomenal job throughout you know, his role bringing leadership and kind of um, bringing everyone in unison more than anything. There, there was a lot of uh, divisive going on in the clubhouse you could argue from 2021 Cohen's first year you know between the bias stuff you got Pilar like it seemed like it was a really tight-knit group but in reality there were a lot of conflicting reports that came out soon after Jeff McNeil with his attitude as well and to see him become a bang champ and a silver slugger this year you can really look at Buck as a factor into that happening helping him just you know get back to your roots and they all were in together with this one. And while that very well could have still happened, should it wasn't manage, uh, Buck as manager, I, I have a pretty strong feeling that Buck had a heavy say and really bring troops together, if that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. It comes down to two words, culture change. That's yep. that's what this was. I mean, he changed the culture of this team more so than any. Now, look, everybody had a hand in it. Max had a hand in it. Right. Absolutely. The Canas, the Martes, uh, Steve Cohen, you know, when he since he's become owner, you know, Frankie Lindor. But even Lindor, you know, a lot of guys kind of fell into more leadership roles and did a better job with that because of the culture change. And the other thing is, is that you know he didn't blow a lead when you were a ten and a half game lead. At the point where they were, it would be like if somebody, you know, blew a season when they're five and two in the NFL. I mean, it's still there's so much time left in the campaign and the Braves went and took it. You know, Buck Showalter put out Max Scherzer on the mound against the Braves and against the Padres. And he was terrible both times. Right. Put out DeGrom on the mound against the Braves. He gets beat up. Bassett for all the things he did twice. That's not Buck Showalter doing that. I mean, I'd argue, you know, in the game with the Padres, with the whole thing with the ear with Musgrove, maybe one of the points where I wasn't with Buck all year, but the voting way before that, he deserved it, dude. I think, look, he was the Mets were not a team you would have bet on to your point before the season, even if you were betting with bet online. Basketball's back and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. 
You find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. You continue to source for all your sports wagering information. They got live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events: NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. It's easy. Get over to betonline.ag. That's betonline.ag to join. 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, but use the promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline where the game starts. And let's get started before we get into all the hot stove stuff with this report that came out about the investigation now that is, you know, coming into play with the tampering of whether or not Steve Cohen and Steinbrenner had had a conversation about Aaron Judge yeah, I was joking with you beforehand about how many of these conversations and things go on between owners that don't kind of get caught and nobody says anything. What's your take? You see this as much ado about nothing, or is this something that brings some intrigue for you with this report? Um, I don't know if I want to say intrigue because it's not positive intrigue, if that makes sense. You know, we're talking about uh, potential collusion where the Mets may be penalized for not pursuing the top free agent out there. It's I mean, crazy. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's, it's actually absurd. However, you know, I just hope that from Ken Rosenthal's report, you see that both Steve Cohen, Steinbrenner, they have to give all their emails or text messages. So whether there was, you know, a um, gentleman's agreement or not, I just hope that this was a hearsay thing. Should that be true? So that way nothing can be tracked down. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen here. Um, it, it is quite bizarre. When that initial report came out from Andy Martino of SNY to start the month. You didn't um, believe it. There, no, it's not. No, I, I actually, I don't. It's, I don't agree with that. Actually, I, I did believe it to an extent, but more so having to do with Billy Epler and Brian Cashman's connection more so than say Steinbrenner and Cohen. Because if you read the article, there was nothing that really led you to the belief that oh, this was a ownership thing versus this was just something you know Billy, longtime assistant GM for Cashman during their time with the Yankees. They they have an equal understanding at least based on their friendship and based on the Mets' vision this offseason. It makes sense why they're not going to go after the top fish when they have to figure out their own fish first and foremost, understandably so. Um, so I, I wasn't, I didn't look at that report initially and say to myself, oh, okay, you know, um, this is completely false. However, there is just something bizarre given the fact of the man who reported this because unfortunately there's a lot of controversy with him. There's always networks that have one guy to kind of be, you know, the guy that wants to bum down all optimistic fans of said fan base and things of that nature. And for Andy's case, he surely, he, he's done a great job doing that. So there are a lot of people that weren't happy initially. He's a heel. Report. I mean, look, I know Andy, I like him personally. I know him a long time, but he's a heel. I yeah. mean, basically with a lot of the fans, I mean, that's the, that's the way that it is. I look mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not expecting that there's going to be, you know, any punishments. Who knows? We'll see what, what transpires. But it does lead us in because when you talk about Aaron Judge, I think about the situation and the comparisons with the Yankees and Judge and the Mets with DeGrom. And it comes down to me to pride from a team and where you're willing to go to and then extending beyond that because for owners to say, hey, look, I'm not going past here. And then to do it is not something that's easy for them with their egos, even with the pockets. And then the other side for a player to say, hey, look, if you're judge in his case, do I want to go to the Giants even if they pay me more when I'm a Yankee and I could be the captain of the Yankees? And to me, that's a good segue for DeGrom because I want to tell you that for me, this comes down to the Mets wanted to give Jacob DeGrom three years at the AAV that you'd expect, which is going to beat Scherzer and, you know, go get that record, right, which they already set for themselves. And DeGrom's probably going to have four-year offers, even with all the concerns from teams like Texas, because they need to do more to drag him in. Let's start here. Do you see this as simple as the Mets won't be willing to give four years and then it's up to DeGrom whether or not he wants to take it elsewhere. Is it that simple for you when you look at this, the situation with DeGrom? It's so hard to gauge for me personally, only because the Mets face a lot of risk this offseason and how long they want to potentially wait out with DeGrom when you have Verlander, Rodon, you know, to a lesser degree. Kodai Senga, Chris Bassett, all these guys, you know, they're going to get picked up sooner or later. And I think for guys like Rodon, especially, it's in his best interest to wait until the DeGrom domino falls and Verlander, because then he's the best guy in the market. His price is going to rise. But going back to the point is that for Jake, this is a really interesting situation because the Mets, you know, it makes perfect sense for them to not want to go past three years that I think all Mets fans can agree with that one. However, this is someone where the Mets are really committed in bringing Jake back, and it comes down to a fourth year. 
is it a guaranteed fourth year? Is it, you know, some type of team or player option for said fourth year? You know, is it a vesting option based on the amount of innings you're pitching? Like those are things where they can get very creative. Maybe could we see a scenario where the Mets even use more deferred money like they did with Edwin Diaz and his record breaking deal? I mean, just to make things a little bit easier, it's possible. Um, but I do think the big concern will come down to the length at the end of the day. Mets are probably going to want to be stubborn, say we want to go to three, maybe four. And then if the Texas Rangers come out and say, hypothetically, you know, we'll give you a fifth year option. That, that could be a big bugaboo. Truly that that's where as a fan, I, I have no clue on what could possibly happen because we just don't know yet at this point in time, very early in the off season still. I've been saying this the last few days. People need to understand when you make deals, you take bad years. That's the way that baseball works. Mm -hmm. You signed Edwin Diaz for five years because you had to at a hundred million because you had to, but you know that you've got a chance, which by the way, most people can't say they're going to have a closer who's worth 20 million, even in year one, that if he pitches the way he did, that you may get that for three years. You know, in yeah. year four and year five, you're getting jack and what comes with it. It's why you defer the money. It just doesn't last for guys who throw the way he does and for closers. You just don't see it. It's why, by the way, even though he could certainly wane, the fact that Kenley Jansen's doing what he's doing even this past year with the Braves after all the years of him closing is crazy. He's also a much larger size, much bigger durability. Diaz, the way he, year four and five, probably a wash. So to your point, the, the thinking then has got to come into the Mets. Hey, look, am I being hypocritical? If I'm willing to do it for Diaz, don't I eat a fourth year for DeGrom? Right. I, you know, if I'm willing to say, hey, because then it's again, looking at we're taking they don't have a young. This isn't a young team. You've got the Alvarez and we're going to about some of the young kids, but you've got Scherzer for another couple of years at age. Right. Even if they bring Bassett back, this is not a young kid. You don't have a lot of young players. The bullpen guys you bring in probably going to be veterans to set up Diaz. Do you look at it? And if you had a choice and I'm saying here, OK, Tyler, you're consulting with Cohen today when we get off. Are you telling him, screw it, give the fourth year, let's take three shots? Personally, biasly, yes, I would. Yes, yeah, that's what I'm asking. You would. Yeah, I would. But I also understand why this is a much trickier situation than maybe it could be or should be based on DeGrom's health. And that's oh, really – sure. That, and for sure. It, what's even worse is the fact that when you evaluate what is the best free agent pitchers out there market-wise – all of them are uncertainties. There isn't one true lock. So I, I broke down yesterday in a video because Mets are connected to JV right now. So, okay, do you want to give a Scherzer-esque contract again to a guy that's about to be 40 and bank on a two-headed monster of equally around 40 years old to stay healthy throughout a 162, not get any fatigue, you know, not, you know, choke, not finally drop in velocity down the stretch for one, two years? Or do you want to go longer term while there's still a health risk with a DeGrom who, as Mets fans, from if there's one thing that Verlander and Scherzer has shown us, is that they're prime examples of what Jacob DeGrom can be by going into his late 30s and still being one of the most dominant pitchers on the planet. You know, those guys are generational talents. Jake is the exact same thing. But not as so, durable. But not as durable, Tyler. Not That's as durable. Correct. That's the problem. And I will make a note, however. I wonder, and again, let's say hypothetically, for instance, Jacob DeGrom leaves. And yes, money will certainly in the term would be a factor. I really wonder how much Jacob DeGrom has possibly been bothered by how he's been handled by the Mets over the years with micromanaging him. You know, because he is the prized possession of this organization, I mean, if the guy literally gets a fingernail, you know, they, they want to make sure he's out missing at least a start. So they have been to a T on him very hard, and there's been controversies with the Mets in the past and how they went about things health-wise with their players. So I'm really just curious for Jake's sake if he's going to be micromanaged to a T as much or if, say, he signs a new deal with the Mets, they're going to be like, you know, we're going to finally let you start to go out there, even if you're dealing with some ailments, as long as it doesn't get too serious. You know, Max Scherzer, he'll go through stuff. He just knows when he needs to stop because of his oblique, for instance. You can't push that. You could be out literally the majority of the season if you push things too far. So that's another factor that I'm really interested on how this is going to pan out when it comes to DeGrom because the stuff is there. We all know that. It's just a matter of is that risk worth taking for the Mets for Steve Cohen that is in this supposed three to five year window of a win now team that were already two years in. So if you're looking north of five years for Jacob DeGrom, hypothetically, 
Is that just too much of a gamble for the Mets to take when they don't know how the team's going to look just two, three years from now? Well, here and here's the thing. What you said about DeGrom is right. What people need to realize is, and Jake knows, that's not going to change. When he signs a three- or four-year deal, three years at 45 a pop or whatever the hell it's going to be, they're going to be even more so drilling down on taking him out after however many pitches and how that it works in between start. It's not going to, that's not going to end, right? A team like the Texas Rangers or somebody on the outside is going to be more willing to say, we will go ahead and acquiesce to you, Jacob deGrom, because of the need, because they don't have Jacob deGrom. The Mets can win without Jacob deGrom on this team. They won without him most of the year. He did not yep. pitch a large portion of the year. And there are other options. And that's where, to me, this becomes, to your point, this is about how many chairs. It's the game of musical chairs, and you can't get stuck with no one. The Mets are in on Verlander. First of all, people understand, and I, I've said this in, in every episode, covering his 20 years. Everyone's interested in everyone. Everyone oh, calls on everyone. The idea that there's interest in, and I love J.P. Morosi, and I love some of these. I know them all personally. Look, everyone's interested in everybody. Anybody who doesn't call on Verlander is an idiot, right? So he's not going to Boston. They're going to call too. People are going to call. He's either yeah. going to be, Verlander's either going to be back in Houston, in L.A. with the Dodgers, or a Met. That's it. There's no other option. That's kind of where, because he knows he can go back to Houston. They'll give him the two years. To your point, the Mets and the Verlander situation, their Texas in the DeGrom scenario. Mm-hmm. If the Mets go after Verlander, Verlander's saying, you need me. You, you're choosing me over your yeah. guy. I want a third year. It's now, he may not have out. to do it with Houston, Tyler, but I think the Mets, if they get Verlander, are going to have to give him some way that he could get a third year at 43 years old, which is crazy. I would hope that if that were to happen and that hypothetical, that it would be, say, like a vesting option. Like, you need to hit this amount of innings. Oh, you got to win the Cy Young in year two for me. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah, seriously, yeah, right? right? Um, because, you know, like, JV is one of those pitchers, for me personally, I've compared him, and maybe this is bad comparison. I, I view him the way that I view Peyton Manning, both you know, bona fide Hall of Famers, the best yeah. at their position, right? However, when it came down to being in the clutch, I wasn't as impressed as I wish I was with Peyton, especially sure. the big game. Sure. Same thing can be said with JV. You know, JV's obviously been to the dance a lot, and he did show up in the final start he had in the World Series, and I commend him for that. However, at this point for a win-now Mets team, you can make the argument that experience is great. A Cy Young winner at the age of roughly 40 is amazing. However, are they still going to be that same guy next year? You know, a Max Scherzer that you just spent 40 plus million on. Who was terrible in the two biggest starts that he the had. The two biggest starts That's of the correct. year. Terrible. Who, who's who's the one pitcher that showed up for the Mets in the wild card game? Well, DeGrom. Exactly. DeGrom. So, and, and, it can, and it can further show you that you know, while having these veterans is great and all, and it's good to have a balance, you need youth in there. And that's tough because the market doesn't have that too much right now. If you want to talk about a dominant younger pitcher, that's Carlos Rodon, you can yeah. argue. But Who I he's want. injury prone. Yeah. How deep is he going to go? Is yeah, he going to be healthy him. all year? You yeah, know? I want him. Yeah, I, I would love Carlos Rodon. He, I want he fits him. His, yeah, he fits that's this the rotation perfectly. I'd go I mean, for him instead of – to me, because and I want to I ask you about this, because to me these things get combined in. Um, and we'll talk about Senga here too, right? It, you know, look, we can look at Nippon Ham Fighters, you know, it, stats, and you know, they're supposed to do this and supposed to do that. And I'm not comparing him to Kaz Matsui, but Kaz Matsui, Bobby Valentine compared to Ichiro before he came in, and he wasn't that, <laughs> right? So it's like, I don't want to, you know, I don't necessarily know what we're getting, right? You're not everybody going to be Otani, who, by the way, a free agent in a year, and I want to get to him later in this conversation because yeah. that plays into some of this. Because mm-hmm. to me, I, I said this yesterday, but I, I would almost put money down in Vegas. Otani's either 2024 opening day going to be a Met, a Yankee, a Seattle Mariner, or a Dodger. That's it. I don't even he think there are other teams. Damn good as a Mariner if he yeah. didn't go. To the oh, Mets. for sure. And I think that's. I think Seattle will go after him for sure. Yeah. Teoscar Hernandez, who they just got, keep in mind, one year deal at fourteen, which yeah. means that that's part of that money coming off the books. I think the M's are going to go hard after Otani because it makes all the sense in the world. But when you look at the Bassett situation, now we didn't. We, I don't think you and I talked about this after this. So I want to. I want to tell you where I stand on on Bassett. I don't want him back. And I know that sounds terrible because of okay. all the innings. All right. He really pissed me off. It's, it takes a lot to piss me off. That that press conference he had, which during the game they showed, it came out during the game 
that and I think it was the day that we talked I think we talked before the Bassett game, didn't we? I think that's the last time you had gone to the game the night before, and I think the Bassett was making yeah. the next start. I'm almost positive. Oh wait, so, wait, no, 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 no. The last time that we right. talked was, was it after the Mets lost the wild card the night before game one, then they won the game two that night with oh, DeGrom okay. on the mound. Okay, with DeGrom on the mound. Okay, so yeah. Bassett's start during that game, they showed in the press conference him saying uh, be, playing in New York is as hard as everybody says it is, and it, I'm proud of myself because it's been it's taken a lot for me. Like, like this whole like thing is if like it it was a horrible experience. Like to me, you got to embrace being in New York if you're going to win in New York. Starling Marte, that dude can't soak up enough attention. Think oh, whatever you want about Cespedes, but why did he succeed in New York in those big spots? Because that dude wanted to be with no batting cage in a home run derby yeah. in front of everybody. Yeah. Chris Bassett to me looks like he wants to be like at the local community center pitching in the way he pitches in big spots. He was awful in big spots. Pitched afraid. He was terrible. It's one thing for Max Scherzer, who it's like, okay, he was tired. He's old. Chris Bassett to me, I thought he pitched scared, and I want the innings, but I almost don't want unless you're telling me he's game four, I don't think he's ever going to pitch and succeed in the postseason. To me, that's a guy who needs to be in Baltimore or somewhere else. How do you see Bassett? I know I'm being harsh on him, but yeah, I, I really I, thought he was scared at the end, Tyler. I, I definitely can see where you're coming from, from, you know, just how he pitched and that scared notion, right? I mean, Bassett didn't show up in his final two starts of the year as well. He's, you know, like Scherzer, he's not the only one. Um, one thing that I will give credit to Bassett for, and I think, what you're emphasizing may be slightly overblown only because oh, throughout sure, the year sure. and, and towards the end, yeah, sure. um, Bassett, <laughs> Bassett really came out and just said how much he loves it here. Mark Hanna, postseason comments he Love had Mark with Mike Hanna. Puma. At Love Mark, Mark Yeah. And Mark came out and said that he expects Bassett to be back similar because of how he feels, how two guys from Oakland come here, small market, big market, and they've loved and enjoyed every single second. Now, whether – that means that Bassett's going to come back. That is yet to be seen. However, Chris seems like he wants to be here. You can tell that the pressure was on his shoulders, and he just couldn't handle it in that big game. And that is what it is. And yes, you can rightfully criticize that. He okay, looked scared yeah. to you. Did he look scared? He looked scared yeah, to me. Yeah, see, Max, he, Max was throwing at guys and giving up homers. Bassett yeah. pitched pitched afraid. That that's me. that's the biggest issue with Bassett when he's on. He's attacking. He, I love his arsenal. He has like he a five-pitch mix. He, he's he's great. However, when he doesn't have his stuff early, he's a locks machine, man. Yes, and, and no confidence. Really no confidence, Tyler. None. Yeah. No confidence. That's scared. And that's scared. So let, let me let me ask you this. If I give you the perfect scenario, I know you're going to tell me DeGrom comes back. So if if I give – let's let's uh, – they said win Ben Stein's money. Play with Tyler Warder's money right now. Let's Let's play, right? The rotation – opening next year is what best scenario yeah how realistic do you want me to be i want you to be don't don't tell me Degrom, rodon bassett senga like, okay. like carrasco like don't be like you know be sort of realistic okay with me being as hopeful as possible with still yes. being realistic. Yeah, yeah 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 okay yes. so Degrom one scherzer two okay senga three okay four cookie okay five one of Miguel Peterson. Okay, so you you're you you're big on Senga. Now, is this based on? We don't know what kind of money we're going to be talking about here, that, right? I, so there there are, there's already speculation with that. Which right, what was that? I didn't see that. What was the speculation? So MLB trade rumors, which is very reputable, they do a great job covering all of sure. MLB. They they come out with pretty accurate, um, you know, price points for free agents on what they're going to be getting, and for Senga. They reported they believe it's going to be around five years, $75 million. When you look at that from an AEV standpoint, for someone that has yet that to hit 30. Low. That seems low. That, exactly. So, I, don't, I don't know if that, that seems low. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's my point, though. Like, that that's where it can benefit a team like the Mets. You're talking basically Chris Bassett money, but over five-year span instead of, say, three. So that's where it gets enticing for a Mets team. Not only that, you have to remember Billy Epler – was a heavy factor in landing Shohei Otani. Yes, Mike Trout helped. Don't get me wrong. Certainly a factor too. But Epler took extensive period of time scouting Shohei in the MPB. Has really good rapport from everything that I've seen, read, and heard regarding that relationship. And if you bring in someone like Kodai Senga, that helps build the market 
for them helping to get a pursuit of Shohei Otani. Which they will do. Which they're going to go at. There's no doubt in my mind. The Mets are absolutely... Now, part of what happens is they have to think, you know, you, you can't punt this season. You're trying to go win a World Series. So how do we attack the free agents in this season and know that then potentially we're trying to get a guy that could be making 50 million a year right after that. So, which by the way, these not easy things to do, regardless how much money Steve Cohen has, the pockets still have a bottom at some point. Right. Um, Are you willing to, if I told you, Hey, look, because I want to shift away from, from the starting pitching a little bit. If I told you, let's go into the outfield a second, because obviously Otani part of, you know, everything DH pitcher could play the, out. I mean, look, the guy could play the outfield every day if he wanted to. I mean, it's, he's a freak of nature. He's not a human. Um, but if I told you they don't, they don't play at the highest level on Nimmo and they put Marte in center and they try and look at a Mitch Hanniger or somebody like that, right. On a couple of years to try in the outfield and they go with the mix they have because they want that big Otani push a year from now, are you okay with that? Or you want them full throttle and not even thinking about Otani. And then if it doesn't work because of that, you're okay with that. Like how bad do you want them a year from now in on Otani? Cause they're probably Tyler, a one in four shot. It's only Yankees, Mets, Dodgers, Mariners for me, I think of anybody. That's it. I, I, I probably want Otani just as much <laughs> as, as anyone. Um, when it, it reminds me a bit of Juan Soto, right? Because when Juan Soto leading up to his trade, the thing was, okay, Wherever he gets traded, there's some likelihood that he would resign. However, he goes to the one team that, you know, A.J. Preller, they're just nuts. Like, the Padres will pull money out of their ass. And he still may not resign. He still may not resign. still may not. And I think as long as he performs as he should, you know, after turning down that record-breaking contract with the He'll get money. He's going to get the money. He's going to be the highest-paid player player on the planet. You know, he's going to be making over Mike Trout money as long as – He's healthy and performs the way he should. But it leads me to my point that that's someone where I look down the line. I'm like, I would love if the Mets go all in on this kid. I know he would love to join New York. He said it. Two already. Years. Yep. Yep. So it's kind of like, what's a better bet? That's how I kind of view the Shohei and Soto situation. For me, I still view Shohei mainly because of the fact that he checks off two boxes instead of one. Yes, does it hurt you more if he gets hurt? Absolutely, depending on the type of injury. You know, we've seen him deal with injuries where he can't pitch and then he can hit or vice versa. But let's say, God forbid, he goes down with something serious. You just lost your bona fide clutch DH that's given you 30 bombs north of 100 RBIs and an arguable ace on the mound if Jacob DeGrom, Max Scherzer aren't there, depending on performance, right? Um, I think Shohei pursuit is unbelievably important. Um and I do think that that is factoring into the Mets' decisions, for sure. I think that the Mets, while it would be awesome if they traded for him this offseason, um, I don't see that happening one bit. Uh, maybe another team does that really just says, you know, F it, we're going all in, we're going to give you the entire farm, even though he's a rental. Uh, I don't think the Mets are going to do that. They were stubborn enough, as is, that we've seen under Epler and Cohen, and I think they have a right to be that way with their prospect pool. Um, I think for them, the biggest question mark really is, okay, say we go a little back this offseason, hypothetically. You know, you don't bring in as many guys as you want. Still a competitive team next year, maybe around the same or a little less than what we saw in 2022. And they take that risk to make sure that they go out and get Shohei. Then say they don't get Shohei. So, this is really for me the two, uh, the three to five year focus is what I'm so harped on from what Cohen has made note. Because you look at the leashes of DeGrom, Scherzer, and other guys on the raw. I mean, even I would say, even to a certain extent, McNeil. I know he just had like arguably his best season of his career, but the guy plays everywhere. He, he's, he's durable, yes, but he, I don't know exactly if he's going to age like a fine wine as he's already into his 30s now. Like, how, how long of a leash are you going to have with them? Strongly Marte is only going to become more and more injury prone, which is why I'm not putting him in center field, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I, he, I'm not, it's not fan. that he can't play there 
People don't understand this. They're like, what? You don't think he could play there? I know he could play there. We've all seen him play. And by the way, I think he'd be a better center fielder than Nimmo is, even though Nimmo's gotten way better. I know Marte can play in center field. But here's the thing that people don't think about. And this is the this is something that I'm telling you, people not paying enough attention to that next year. It's going to be like, oh, yeah, you're right. The change in the size of the bases, dude, I've talked to a lot of people around this game that are in this sport since the rule changes, and they all are saying, and I, I believe them because I've seen the numbers, that the one part of all these rule changes nobody's paying enough attention to is the size of the bag combined with only throwing over a couple of times. When you look at a trade turner in an open market, that dude at 30 years, I don't know what he's doing five years from now, but he's going to steal 50 bases next year with these rules. Starling Marte can steal 50 bases. For me, I'd rather him be stretching the athleticism and the injury-prone nature on the base pads than I would in center field. I'd rather him be playing in right field, and then you tell me he's going to run more, right? Even if Nimmo's not there, tell me Marte's going to lead off because Marte with the new rules can steal 50 bags next year for this team, for sure. There's no doubt, but I want it, Tyler, there, stretching, being, if I'm going to get greedy with it and you got to, got to use the athleticism, I want it on the base pads. I don't want it in center field. I want him hanging out in right field and just being relaxed. Especially you see what they're doing at City Field now. There's an eight foot, eight Saw that. foot difference now. That only yes. benefits Marte with his range yes. and right. That's you know, correct. one less thing for him to have to worry about. You know, when the Mets were originally pursuing Marte, I was saying, okay, this makes perfect sense. You put him in center, you put Nimmo in the corner. Because at that point, Nimmo had a solid 2021 year in center, but it wasn't anything fancy. He was known for having the noodle arm, really couldn't get any range going there. Um, so one it came out that Marte isn't going to play like a game in center. I was like, what do you mean? He's not going to play a game in center. However, it worked out beautifully for the Mets. Oh, perfect. They, they, it was a they great drew decision. that off the best yes. you possibly do. Agreed. Agreed. And Marte, I know that there was a factor in the Mets acquiring him to help in the scenario where they do not bring back Brandon Nemo. That was certainly in discussion there. However, Brandon Nemo, when you look at the outfield market right now, no one, no, even I need him back. Him. I need him no back. one even touches him. The Blue no, Jays are going to go hard after him after yes. training Tay Austin. St. Louis, to me, it could be a factor if they St. want Louis, to. St. Louis, he got going to throw him the bag. Yeah, like he, he not did with Bryant. He, not um, he grew up a Rockies fan, so that's what people are concerned yeah, about. Yeah, he's not going. He, it doesn't. I matter. know he's the one kid from Wyoming. I'm like, what are the odds? He's he not going to Colorado, but Seattle, to me, being off the board is a big thing because that. Seattle made a lot of sense. Seattle now with Teoscar on board is going to keep J-Rod in center. If they wanted to move Julio to a corner to protect him, Brandon Nimmo being from Wyoming, being in Seattle for a team that's on the rise, a team that needs more bats that could use bats that can get on base before Julio. That made sense for me. I'm glad they're off the board because to me, when I looked at the market, I thought St. Louis and Seattle were the two places where the Mets needed to be afraid for Nimmo. And now, now it seems like a lot. The Yankees are showing due diligence. Yeah, well, yeah I'm not, maybe that was in the Cohen conversation. Hey, yeah. don't play on Nimmo. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do think the Blue Jays are only worrisome because of the fact that you know it's already come out that they're willing to ship Springer they want to, to right for the basically, same reasons for the but, same yeah, Marte reason. Basically, they're trying to do the outfield house Mets fans hope we were getting when we were in the spring sweepstakes. Correct. Two off seasons ago. So Correct. I will say, and maybe I'm wrong on this. But unless I think he's coming back overpay, I think, I think he's, he's coming, coming back. back. I but do too. Two, I, I would be so surprised to see Nemo in Toronto. And I think it goes beyond his play on the field. I just kind of think it is with him as a person. I don't know if he's going to want to move to Toronto. He no, I love seems- that city. I love that city. It's yeah. it, to me it, being a New Yorker, like we both are. People who haven't been to To. That's a great town. That is a. It's, yeah. It is. Oh, it's, I'm not it's, denying it's, that at all. No, no, no. I but that's. But he not. But but he's the la- He's about the last person personality wise and all of that. If he's going to leave, might as well go west and at least there be closer to to go to Toronto. Doesn't make any sense for him. Exactly. That so that that's the one thing where you could say where it's actually a good thing <laughs> that he made. Yeah, I don't think it makes he, any sense. Yeah, exactly. So Brandon, I hope he does come back because I if think the Mets so too. Lose him, man. They have a gaping hole. What are you going to do? Get Andrew Benatendi. Yes, he's very good, good contact hitter. Gets on yeah. base with a good clip. Little home run pop. I get it. Nimmo doesn't have too much either. He's not really center fielder. However, no. Benatendi, you're going to have more in the corner. Yeah. Um. There's just a lot of question marks, you know. Let, let's we talk about Trey Turner throwing him in center field. Well, well but, yeah, and that's and that's not going to happen either. Look, if Turner yeah. comes over and and let, let's get to that because I want I want to touch on him for a second. I look at this is the scary part for the Mets, right? So this is how I who the hell knows this is how I see it. Dansby Swanson going back to Atlanta, 
They, they're yeah. not going in on DeGrom. They've paid all these these contracts to everybody else to lock them up, and a lot of them they've saved money, and they know what he means to them. Swanson's going to be in Atlanta. I, I think we all believe that. Trey Turner, to me, the best spot for him and for a team, especially after the Bryce news yesterday, but even before that, is Philly. He oh, makes he, so he much sense in Philadelphia. He makes so much sense as a player in terms of what he would do for them. Him leading off or allowing Schwarber to hit down in the order so that he's not sitting there with solo home runs all the time. All the things, the base, everything. I mean, after having Jimmy all those years, to have a guy at the time who could bring some energy, they need him so badly. The Mets, to me, aren't as a great a fit. Now, look, I'll pay Trey Turner. Oh, they definitely are. But to, he's going to come play second base, right? And then McNeil is going to play left field every day, right, in that scenario. And then, okay, if you don't get Nimmo, because I don't think you can get Nimmo and Turner and DeGraw. I, look, I know Met fans no. think that Steve Cohen and, and, eight, no. and eight relievers. You're not getting all that, right? So if you get Turner, then Marte's your center fielder. McNeil's in left, and then whatever the hell is in right or vice versa. like Or maybe you have Cannon left, McNeil right. You're right, you're right. Either Either way. To me, I think they're better suited. I'll go back to the name I just mentioned. I, I'd rather them look at the Mitch Hanegers and other guys in the world who I think are better. But now, look, he's got injury prone issues. So he could hit the heck out of it. Uh, but I, I think they need to look at other ways if Nimmo doesn't come back that are smaller and then put more money into the rotation and into the pen. The question is, where do you get the thump that you didn't have last year? And that brings me to this question I wanted to ask you, and that is, Opening day lineup for for you. Alvarez is where? If he's in the lineup, he's at DH. No, is he in the lineup? It, it, oh, is he, is in, the he lineup? in the lineup? If he's in the lineup, where is he in the lineup? Where is he? Is he is he down in AAA? Because I don't have at bats up here. What the hell is he going to do? Like where? That's a big question for me. What is he now? Alvarez will be backup catcher because James McCann would have been traded. Somehow, some way, they will. Who the heck is going to take James McCann? You got to figure it out. You're going to eat that money, or, you're saying, and just dump him somewhere. Might be. I mean, he's on the final year of his contract. Right. So that is one upside. You know, it's yes. not like you have to wait multiple years. Like it is $10 million, dollars, though. No. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's, that's not yeah, an yeah. upside. Yeah, no, that's not upside indeed. However, I just don't see how the Mets can even fathom the idea of rolling out a James McCann, Tomas Nito, catching tandem. For a third straight year, one one Nito is far and away the better catcher between the two. He's better defensively. He's better yes. offensively. Yeah. Nito was very clutch with yeah. runners scoring position for like no reason. This guy just said, you know, I'm going to clutch and know, down the stretch too, and down the stretch too. But exactly. is Alvarez is Alvarez a catcher? Is Alvarez a catcher? Is he a big right league catcher or not? I would say yes. Yeah, but okay. I so do then see don't you world. get a job? What's that? See, because here's the here's the look. I don't have an answer to these either. So these are the questions I ask myself. If he's a big league catcher, don't you then go into spring training and say, we are going to get you ready to be our big, our opening day catcher? And Tomas Nito, who's all the things you just said, is going to be your tutor? Could be. Yeah, absolutely. However, the Mets may want to give credit where credit's due to Nito for everything yeah, that he's done it. Look, well. that's all nice. I love Nito, too. But I'm just saying, if you put Alvarez and that bat behind the plate, how much easier do all your outfield questions now become? Because now you're not thinking yeah. I need a big bat in a corner. I just got my big bat. He's now behind the plate. Yeah. yeah. Right? The Mets The Mets have – that's a big question mark for them entering next season. Huge. You know, how much of a leash are they going to give to the Alvarez's, the Beatty's, and to a lesser degree, the Vientos's of the world? I are think you Mark a Beatty Vientos. guy? I'm not a huge Beatty guy. I think I he's like a nice Beatty. player. I think he's a nice player. I don't think he's a great player. I think Beatty just needs to be given a leash. And the only issue is that's hard to do that when you're a win-now team. So – it's not like the Mets have this adamancy to make sure that third base is covered, and that's why you could throw Viento, Spady, give them time there. When if Escobar performs the way that I he love did Escobar in yeah, the second fun. half, you know, coming yep. back from his injury, he's going to play. He's uh, your yeah. opening day third baseman, right? Yep, and 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 Gourmet's the best glove on this team, correct? So that's you're correct. definitely going to put him there that's for the correct. times that Eddie is not going to be playing, or that's say correct. he the cold streak. So. Beatty, I really do like. I think he has a sweet swing. His his defense needs some work. However, I think that there will be proper development there, unlike a J.D. Davis situation. Or at absolute worst, then you consider toying him in the corner outfield. He has a lot of athleticism. Big kid, fast kid. I think that he would be able to handle any position fine, even if he's a little below average. Their offense has to get better. And this is where my question comes to how they're going to do that. Because Nimmo is not about getting better. It's about bringing him back. 
right? Yeah. Starling Marte being healthy, certainly. But we know when he was healthy during the year, we know what he can do, and that's great. Alonso's not going to be better than he was last year. McNeil's not going to be better. You're hoping for the same. Lindor's not going to be better. You're hoping for the same. Right? How do you get better? Nito, if he's playing all the time, not going to be better offensively. He was surprising us with how good he was offensively. The only places you can get better are in the DH spot, right? If you put Alvarez at catcher or if you upgrade it in the outfield somewhere. Let me throw out some names to you here. Cause here's the problem when you bring, and I like Vogel back and I think, you know, people went too crazy. Look, he's it. They should have picked up the option. He, he's a lefty off the bench or a lefty DH. That's fine. I got no problem with that. Yeah. But if they're, if their point now is for Alvarez to be the DH right every day against lefties only, that's not a lot of at bats. And where does he play? And it also it takes a moment too. It hurts the development. If he's a catcher, think about what opens up. Because yeah. now I could say to you, crazy or not, what if I told you you can go pay Justin Turner for two years to go be your DH from the right side with Vogelbach, play a little bit of third, little bit of second, clutch hitter as they come, tough at bat as they come, fits right into the Mets, long at bats, and all that other kind of stuff, and then you put Justin Turner as your right-handed DH for two years. You into that or not, if Alvarez is catching? I'm very conflicted with Turner, mainly because of the fact when you look at that you know, on the forefront, Everyone's going to jump to conclusions. Oh, this is very Wolponzian-esque. You know, you wait to get Justin Turner until he's about 40 when you had him before he even hit his prime. Um, Turner, however, did have another very good year last year. It hit. Rough, rough first half was one of the best hitters in baseball in the second half. Yes, correct. And a clutch, um, you know, clutch hitter. Clutch hitter. Home run rate was down, however, and that's, that's something right. that I think the Mets will factor in. He was yeah. a doubles machine. I think he what had. Easily over 30 doubles. He had a good amount of doubles, I'm pretty sure. And um, hits great so, pitching, Tyler, which is something we saw an yes. issue down the stretch. And yes. he's great with that. Yes, he's faced that his entire career. He's overcome that adversity. Um, he's someone where he would definitely be an upgrade. You know, it's a low bar to upgrade. But you can't over- do it if Alvarez isn't catching, because otherwise you have no place for Alvarez to play. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, yeah that's, the, that's what I'm saying too. about the Alvarez thing and how everything to me centers around what you decide to do with him. And because, look, because of DeGrom, and I get they have a lot of questions, we're not discussing this in, in Met Twitter right now. But to me, this is the big question that's th- that's going to stir every drink they have offensively. Where the hell is Alvarez playing? Yeah, the, and I think when you look at things, however, from more of a flexibility standpoint on what can benefit the Mets – um personally at the dh position i think that they would be better off going for someone that can also play in the outfield versus say someone like okay. a turner at third because the Mets like have a hanniger what about like a mitch hanniger type a hanniger wouldn't be bad especially with yeah. that um he's lefty back correct uh he's right-handed oh is, is he, he right-handed okay. yeah he's right-handed Hand-handed. okay my yeah. mistake I, I don't watch enough mariners no, that's all right yeah he can hit um, he can hit yeah too. no i i know he had a down year this year dealt with a lot of injuries though. yeah i know that but that's where the dh comes in because he was playing yes, out for exactly yeah. so that there's a there's upside there there's potential upside if you take risk on trading for a power lefty bat from seattle and jesse winker who had a down year yeah but i yeah, I look. I love this story because he he wants to be a Met so bad. Oh I no, mean, no, no! I, I don't even mean it as just that. I think that Winker will bounce back, but I think he needs to leave Seattle. There are some comp, there were some things going on internally, from what I heard. You know, just wasn't caring enough. Was the words best put out there? With hitting a lot of fly balls that were just short. You know, on the warning track, it seems like he needs to be on a team with more veteran leadership. He's an option. Hunter Renfro, especially in the scenario yeah, right-handed, where you great have, outfielder. Yeah, especially a guy. You want to have more of that platoon, say, you yep. know, that you can hit both lefties and righties himself and Volgaback. That's a sure upgrade over a Darren Ruff who actually knows how to competently field. Isn't is a gold glove, but, he, but he'll be but out the, the problem with that it can of being right handed. It's like, you know, with him being a right, you'd love if you didn't have him because ha- a guy like Renfro, you want to put in the outfield. I mean, he could he could throw, he could he got, I mean, he's a better outfielder than, than you know, Vogelbach cannot play a position. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, look, you've got. You get the Josh Bells of the world and other guys who certainly could just be DHs. I mean, look, and every Met fan seemed to want Josh Bell a few weeks ago, right? A few months ago. Yeah. I would be preaching the choir for him if if he didn't have his stint that he did with the Padres. Now, now I don't know what to expect from Josh Bell. He hit us great. He hits great in that park. A lot of people hit Max great that game. 
No, I'm just saying he. Does, but he's he's traditionally hit well against the Mets, and he's oh, hit well he at the field. Yeah, he's yeah. like Kyle Schwarber on us. Yeah, so yeah, he's so. comfortable there for sure. Yeah. But he's a switch hitter. Yep. Right. So questions. Mm-hmm. All right, last one for me. The bullpen. Edwin Diaz is great, and we love Edwin Diaz. And then a lot of people forgot. Oh, wait a minute. We need the rest of the bullpen. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a thing, right? Because yeah. you kind of need to get to. And by the way, with Max, theoretically, DeGrom, the Verlander, the names that they're looking at, they're not going to be a lot of seven inning outings coming up all year because you're going to want to protect those guys, including, by the way, Scherzer, who I think they got to be even more careful with how tired and fatigued he was at the end of the year. Now, two years in a row. You want to you want to throw two years and some good money at Ottavino because he seemed to be such a good fit and go with the devil you do versus the devil you don't. Where are you in the setup for Diaz? Because that's the biggest thing to me. Replacing people forget about Ottavino not only was was great setting up Diaz, but he was great in those games where Buck couldn't go to Edwin. Ottavino had a, a bunch of big spots where even if it wasn't a save, he gave you the inning where you didn't want to put Diaz in, or he got the save where Diaz had gone two days beforehand. What's your take on Ottavino and the bullpen in general? Yeah, I, I'm a big Ottavino fan. Something that Anthony Wrecker, not so much. So we we have our Oh, he's not? Rex not? No, not? no, not at all. He anytime pitched great. That, anytime that Adam's name comes out of my mouth, Rex just is saying they're shaking really? Yes, yeah, he's he's not sold on Adam the way that I am, even though that Adam statistically had a phenomenal Great year. year for the Mets. And that was something that, you know, I wasn't too surprised because when you looked at Adovino's numbers entering his tenure with the Mets, you know, with the Red Sox a year prior, if he could get that walk rate down, he would be golden. That was the walks machine. If Jeremy Hefner get his ass right, he's going to be fine. And he was. He, he had some... Some slight things here or there, you know, he's given up some, but overall, Adam was phenomenal in that setup role. That was your your two certainties out of the entire bullpen this past year was Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz. You're done. Um, I would love to see him back. However, I could see a world where he's not only because of the fact that Edwin Diaz just rose the market crazy. You see Montero get the three-year, $34 million. You see hypotheticals that Adam's going to be getting two years. Nick Martinez just got three for, what, 26 or something like that, I think? Yeah, you see people – there's belief that um, Adovino will get two for 20-plus. I mean – Which is probably fair. He probably deserves that. It's fair. Off of last year, he two for 24 or something like that is probably where he is after last year, which is crazy. It's it's completely fair, and I want to see him back. He's a New York native, grew up Mets fan. I think there's mutual interest for that to happen. So if it does, great. However, I could see why maybe the Mets don't go down that route if they're thinking we're allocating way too much money here for a setup guy that we signed this past offseason to a one-year, $4 million deal or $6 million, whichever one it was. Let's go out and find that next Adam Adovino. Let's go out and find that next Aaron Loop. That's what the best teams in baseball do, okay? You can't win, you can't win it all by buying your bullpen. How many times that buying your full bullpen works out for you? It doesn't work. It never does. So for the Mets, they got to be creative here. And that's why I look at, you know, there's plenty of arms I like out Eflin. there. I like Eflin. I like what Eflin did in Philly. I do. Riddle, riddle me this. Yeah. Why would Zach Eflin come to the Mets in a bullpen role when he just declined $15 million from the Phillies to be in said bullpen role? Well, I, I don't, I don't. Well, do we know that, first of all, that's what we hear. It, was it there? Was it because he's not, you know, I, I don't know what the situation is with him specifically with that. Yeah. But I do like him and I like the versatility. I like, I mean, look, the Mets. I, like, I, I love swim ends. That's why I don't Trevor know if Williams, Trevor Williams is coming back. You know, Eflin's a higher end of that because Eflin can go give you a seventh inning in a big spot and Trevor Williams, you're not doing that. I do like Eflin though. He seems like his pulse is pretty much like this does not move. Like I just watch him in the postseason. I, you need to succeed in New York and do what you got to do here. You got to be like he is. Like he just doesn't seem like he's. He doesn't even look. He's breathing necessarily. But I like that. There's some about him where I think he'd succeed in New York. I think he'd be fine. You know who I surprisingly like as a fifth starter slash swing man to battle it out with McGill and Pearson. It's Andrew Heaney. I like Heaney too. I like Heaney too. It's bizarre for me to say, but if I like Heaney too. If he stays on path, he's lefty. Yeah. If he stays on path with what the Dodgers did with him, completely change his arsenal. Now like he's, yeah, now he's four-seam slider guy. 
Yes, I like too. Sorry, but I remember like it was yesterday. I was yelling at my TV because Alonzo did not know how yeah. to go up against. I like him too. I like when him he too. saw it from a mile away. And I he's only he... 28, I believe. Yeah, which is, by the way, another thing to like. Yeah, I think there's you upside know? there with Heaney in that type of swingman role. Um, there is one reliever that is a southpaw specifically that I have been crying for, dying for that the Mets get for two years now. His name is Andrew Chapin. Oh he's yeah, sure. A great stash too. Jay. Yeah, great stash. Uh, but he's just he fits the role. He's a guy that the Mets. I was hoping that they would acquire the 2021 MLB trade deadline when he was with the Cubs. The Mets went out and got a position player and a reliever. Just two guys I wasn't expecting. Instead of Chris Bryant and Chafin, it was Baez and Williams. Right then, this past off season, Chafin's out there. Mets need a lefty. He goes to Detroit. They let him walk, and then they bring in Chase and Tree. And then Joely Rodriguez, you know, the experiment that did not work. So, yes, you don't need exactly lefty-righty matchups, but they help. And the Mets don't have a lot of them. Maybe Joey Fuego, Lucchese, a guy to keep in mind, he's going to be competing that bullpen. We'll see what he can bring. But if you're talking about more of a, of a certainty right now, a guy who still has plus stuff, Andrew Chafin's that guy. And I really, really hope the Mets finally get this right and land him. And look, they have the prospects in the system where the Mets can deal. And we're not talking about Alvarez, but they, they can deal. They can make moves. I'm not a huge Vientos guy. I got to be honest. His swing's loopy. I, I, I'm not. I, that's I could the see one. Him being traded. I could move him. I'd be yeah. okay with that. I'd be like, after seeing him, I know it's a short sample size, but that swing, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. You know, look, My hitting 25 home runs in the minor. Yeah, I'm it's loopy. I'm not a huge. I like Beatty. Beatty's like nice player, nice swing, left handed. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I don't know, man. I Vientos. I. Yeesh, I'm not sure. Not sure about that. I am sure about this. Uh, you can catch Believe in Queens on the Believe Network and catch Tyler and all the content over at YouTube and on Twitter at Wardy W A R D Y N Y M. Another episode of Unfiltered in the Books. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. All right. It'll only be good if uh, we get good news and, uh, you know, no tampering. Uh, we tamper with, yeah, right. Fingers across. One thing we know for sure is that Unfiltered, as always, is presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.